Thank you. Being a parent is characterized by uh, many different things, but one thing that I've been struck by is just how many questions um, will be asked. What's this? Where is that? Um, the classic, when will we be there? Um, I think I've heard that one perhaps the most, but there is a general type of question that we often hear. And it is the question of why. Why? It's a question that doesn't need any more words. You can just say, why? And it's, as I look back at uh, the young lives of Oliver and Jacob, why was a question that was asked a lot more when they were younger? And it could be applied in pretty well any situation. You know, um, could eat up, why? Well, because you need to eat so that you're nourished, why? Well, because if you don't eat and nourished, you'll, you'll, you'll starve, well, why? And we would come back to, because I said so, okay? We're just gonna cut to the chase, and you're gonna eat this because I told you so. Why? A question that, as we get older, um, we tend not to ask so much. And it's something that, in our faith, I think we don't often ask enough of. And so I encourage people to ask the question, why? And when we look at our Christian faith, and particularly the cross, we ask, why? Why? With childlike faith. Why? Why? <laughs> Is that better? Okay. So when we look at the cross, we ask why. And we can go into the future with that question, why, in terms of what the cross accomplishes, in terms of bringing heaven to earth. Or we can ask why and go to the past. Why do we have the cross? And in asking that, we come to sin, because there is a penalty, there is uh, something that needs to be looked after, and the cross doesn't. But let's ask why again. Why is it that sin matters? Why is it that God makes this really big deal about sin? Like, what, what's the big deal with sin? When we go back and ask that question, I think we are on the right track to really understand the depth of who we are and why we're here. Because when we look at why sin matters, it is because of the effect that sin has on our life. And to see this effect, we need to consider what we call our vocation. And that is a word that we don't often hear, or we hear it uh, as it relates to uh, people who have pursued ordination or people who are involved uh, in the church. 
But I think vocation can be a much deeper word. It can be a word that applies to each one of us because I believe that each one of us as human beings have been given a vocation from God. And that vocation is to be image bearers of God. When we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created the world and then he created people in God's image. And as people created in God's image, we were given a task. A task to live in this world, to steward it, to help creation to flourish. In given this vocation, it applies to every single human being in every single context that they are in. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be given this vocation from God? I think it is best visualized as a 45-degree angle mirror. What does a mirror at 45 degrees do? It reflects God above to the world here. And what else does it do? It takes the praises of the world and reflects them back up to God. Our vocation that we have been given to God is to be his image bearers here on earth. It is to be here and to reflect God's goodness into this world. What is sin? Sin is something that disrupts our relationship with God. It separates us from God. But why? Why does it do that? Sin does that because fundamentally sin is about idolatry. It is about taking our lives, which are a mirror that are supposed to reflect God, and they are pointing that mirror somewhere else. And when they are pointed somewhere else, they reflect something else. And that is why God takes idolatry so seriously. Today I want to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 7, the first three commandments. An unlikely place to go in scripture if we are to consider our vocation of being image bearers. But I think it speaks to this, and it shows us the seriousness that God takes this task of being his image bearers here on earth. So I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. I'll be reading beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is under that is in heaven or above or is in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, 
but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. The first three commandments given to Moses, you shall have no other God. You shall not take anything in the earth, in the sky, or in the ocean and make it into an idol. And you will not take my name in vain. The first two make sense in terms of image bearing as it relates to idolatry. But the third, you shall not take my name in vain. This is something that when we look at it, we often think of it as cursing. And it is certainly that, but it is a lot more than that. Taking the Lord's name in vain is taking something that is not of God and putting God's name on it. We can look through the history of the church, the terrible things that have happened in the name of God. That is a violation of this commandment. It is taking something that is not of God and putting his name on it. So we can see the first two are what is in that top place. I am your God. You will have no other gods but me. You will not make anything to put in my place. And you will not take anything that is not of me and put my name on it. Why? Well, because your job is to be my image bearers here on earth. Your job is to reflect the goodness of God into this earth. The rest of the commandments flow forth from that. What does life look like when God is in his proper place in our lives. Well, we don't steal. We don't bear false witness. We don't commit adultery because we have our first priorities in place. So what does this look like? What does this actually look like? Not just a principle, but how does it work out? And the best place to look is the life of Jesus himself. Jesus came here and showed us what it's like to be truly human. To truly reflect God completely and totally. Jesus was that perfectly positioned 45 degree mirror. When someone looked at him, they saw God. Jesus shows us how to be true image bearers. He came announcing the presence of the kingdom, the fact that heaven was coming here on earth. He came healing people. He came accepting people. He came loving people. This is what image bearing looks like. But it's not just Jesus. 
It's each one of us are given this opportunity. On Friday, I was invited uh, to go to a school and attend a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pardon me? An assembly. Thank you. (laughs) An assembly first thing in the morning. They had all the kids gathered together. And the principal got up front. And I looked at her as she addressed the class or addressed the assembly. I was like, wow. This woman loves these kids. There was something about the way she was interacting with them. It was like, I am impressed. I am impressed with the care she's taking in her job and the effort that she is putting in and how the kids are responding to her. The assembly continued on, and they presented the money uh, to me, and I said a few brief words to thank them. And then they had this sort of dance show that went on, and there were kids up on the front stage, and they were music playing, and they danced. Basically, it was a thing to get the whole uh, school to be active. And I looked out, and most of the teachers are kind of there like this, and some are standing like this and not participating. And that's fine, whatever. I, I get it. But there was one teacher, not the principal, another teacher. And she was engaged with the kids. She was down with the kids, helping them. And there was just something radiating about this woman. I was just like, wow, that's really cool. She's getting in there and and helping these kids. And the kids just responded to her. Well, the assembly finishes up. Kids go back. And I'm leaving. And this teacher who was so engaged with the kids, she comes up to me and she says, Peter, I just want to thank you for the work that Loaves and Fishes does in our community. It makes a huge difference uh, for these kids. And I also want to thank you because what you're doing is God's work here. I kind of looked at her like, what? She says, I heard you speak at my church one time. (laughs) And I was like, ah. I didn't know that she was a follower and I wasn't even making any connections here. I was just thinking, wow, this woman is making a difference in these kids' lives and there's something different about her. And then I find out that she loves Jesus and she's trying to get her life positioned so that it's 45 degree, it's a 45 degree mirror. Well, then I'm walking out and the sister of a friend of mine flags me down. She says, oh, Peter, so good to see you. I said, wow, it's just really cool here. The, the school, like, what, what, what's going on? And she says, oh, it's great. Isn't the principal amazing? She used to be my Sunday school teacher. And I'm like, really? But it was such a lesson to me. Because it wasn't, I wasn't in that situation looking for this. These were people that just jumped out. They were readily apparent to everyone who was in that assembly that they were making a difference. And they were making a difference because they were bearing God's image in that place. And as I drove back, I had a tear in my eye because when I go into those assemblies and schools, my heart breaks 
because I know a lot of those kids need the food bank. But the tear wasn't because of that. The tear was because there's good people bearing God's image in that place. That gives me hope. Sin causes a rupture in our relationships with God. It impacts our ability to fulfill the vocation God has given us. It causes us to reflect the wrong things. And it's this failure. It's this reflecting of the wrong things that causes the trauma that we see in our life. Every single situation we face, it shows something is not the way it is, should or not the way it should be. At some level, it comes back to that mirror of someone, maybe it's us, maybe it's someone else, not being positioned properly. We're tempted to position our mirrors another way. We are tempted to put money, relationships, media, pornography, greed, addiction, entertainment, all kinds of things. We can be tempted to put in that one spot where God is supposed to be. We can be tempted to make other things and put them there. We can deceive ourselves and take things that aren't of God and put his name on them. But when we do that, when we do not properly and completely reflect God, when we do not live up and fulfill our vocation to be God's image bearers here on on earth, our world suffers and and our lives suffer because we have been made for so much more. Let us pray. You have made us. You have made us each unique. You have given us each special abilities and gifts. But in all of that uniqueness, there is something that we all share. We all share this task that you have given to us. This task of bearing your image here on earth. And so God, we pray that we could have the courage, we could have the wisdom, that we could have the humility to keep you in your place, the number one spot in our lives. May we put nothing else there. 
may we see you, may we reflect you, may the world see you because of what you are doing through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.